That's a really cool sight, watching these kids go to Kids Zone. I, tomorrow is Memorial Day, and uh, I, how many, anybody who has served in any of the armed forces, I'd like you to just go ahead and stand for a moment. If you serve now or have served, well, I just want to thank you. And I want to thank your families, too, because uh, I know it's a sacrifice. It's, it's a terrible thing that we live in a, war, in a world where, we, where nations need uh, armed services. One day it won't be like that, but right now it is. And we're grateful to your, for your service. Now, today is also Pentecost. And uh, this is the uh, fourth great celebration day of the church. The first great celebration day of the church was when uh, God showed up on earth. He just showed up in this vast universe. God reduces himself to an embryo and then a human being, Jesus, and, and he's here. He came. He arrived. Great miracle. And then this God who came to earth because we matter, uh, was he was uh, attacked by the forces of evil, death, sin, and Satan. They all colluded together in different ways through the government, through religion, all kinds of ways, and crucified him. He died. This was the great triumph of sin and evil on planet Earth. They killed God in the person of Jesus, crucified, dead, and buried. Great victory, except, except just a couple days later, he gets up again. The worst that evil, Satan, um, sin, the power of death could do on planet earth, that's to kill God, was ex the greatest powers that they could use were exhausted in doing that, but then Jesus arose, and he was alive, and in, many people saw him alive, but then after, during Jesus' last appearance, he then uh, sort of ascended to heaven. He disappeared. He, he gave the final, he gave his final uh, command to go into all the world and share the gospel, but he, he like King the new king of England, he ascended to the throne. Jesus ascended to the throne of the universe. And the first thing that the early Christians knew, the first thing they figured out was that Jesus is alive and now he's at the right hand of God and now he's in charge of the universe. The first um, creed of the Christian church was Jesus is Lord. That may, and they went around telling people that. Uh, you know what? Caesar's not Lord. You know what? Sin, death, Satan, and evil are not Lord. You know what? Cancer's not Lord. You know what? All the problems. Jesus is above them all. And they went and told people, hey, Jesus is Lord. And people began to follow. But then the fourth great day of the church, that was ascension. The fourth day, great day of the church is Pentecost. And there are 120 believers in, in uh, Jerusalem. 
And uh, they were praying and they were scared to death. But then suddenly a great wind blew through. And then something like tongues of fire came on the people. And they came alive and it was uh, full of excitement and wonder and what's going on. And, uh, and, and so when they... Uh, began to speak in different languages and understood each other. If you've ever been in a multicultural church and you hear everybody stand and pray the Lord's Prayer in their own language, and uh, it's a beautiful thing. When you hear it all together, you can't understand anything, but you all know they're praying the Lord's Prayer. And it was like that. They could understand each other speaking different languages. A reversal of Babel from Genesis 11 when, when language separated them, now different languages unify them under Jesus Christ. And it was an incredible day. Um, and so, in our, well, let me just read it to you. And here it is up on the uh, screen. This is from the Message Translation of the Bible. That day, about 3,000 took him at his word and were baptized and were signed up. They committed themselves to the teaching of the apostles, the life together, the common meal, and the prayers. Everyone around was in awe. All those wonders and signs done through the apostles and all the believers lived in a wonderful harmony, holding everything in common. They sold whatever they owned and pooled their resources so that each person's need was met. They followed a daily discipline of worship in the temple, followed by meals at home, every meal a celebration, exuberant and joyful as they praised God People in general liked what they saw. Every day their number grew as God added to those who were saved. There it is. In our home fellowship group, and we have a home fellowship group of about 20 people. In, in our uh, home fellowship group, our leader, Tom Stone, plays a song. Every group, he always plays some song. And uh, one of the songs he plays is like a birthday song. This, by the way, Pentecost is the birthday of the church. This is the beginning of the church of Jesus Christ. And so he plays a song and, uh, and we've come to like it and he plays it every week, every time we're together and then we sing it. And so I'd like to play this song for the birthday of the church that isn't a birthday song, but Tom thinks it is. So I'm just going to play it for you on, in a video. Let's watch. Well, as you can see, we're not a very sophisticated group. But actually, the thing I didn't want to tell you, but I think I will, our, our group produced that. That was us up there. <laughs> but the thing is, if that looks goofy and strange, Kathy, my wife, told me, don't play that. So I, I did. But, you know, in Acts 2.13... In Acts chapter 2.13, do you know what it says? The onlookers, all the people who watch these Pentecostal people begin to pray in different tongues and stuff, the, the onlookers thought they were drunk. And so this idea of exuberance, this idea of celebration, this idea of joy, uh, they had it. And um, so it, it's, it's, the, it, it's the real thing now. Jump 50 years ahead. Jump 50 years ahead. Uh, Pentecost is, is long over. 
most of the people who were at Pentecost have probably passed away. There might be some still alive. And the church had spread all over into Greece, into Italy, into Turkey. And, and jump ahead to the little church of Philadelphia in, in Turkey. And, and there they are, a bunch of Jews believing in the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the lordship of Jesus Christ, and they're meeting in their home group. And uh, it's a church, and it's not much bigger than our home group. It's two, three dozen people tops. And, and they're Jews. And then there's flourishing Jewish com community throughout Philadelphia. And uh, the Jews are looking at these guys and saying, you guys, you guys are a cult. Uh, that's not the Messiah. And they're looked down on, they're ostracized, maybe their children won't play with their children. Um, these believers wouldn't do the uh, emperor worship, and so they might be in trouble with their jobs. And uh, Nero in the 60s had ushered in this huge persecution. This might be the 80s or 90s now. We don't know. But there have been persecutions. These people are, are having tough times. And I can't imagine that some of them were saying, we heard about Pentecost, but where is it? Where is that Holy Spirit exuberance and power now? Where is it when we are about to lose our jobs, maybe lose our lives, and we're ostracized in our own, in our own town? What now? Well, Jesus, through um, uh, the Apostle John, uh, writes these letters to the churches in Revelation, and I'm going to read to you now his letter to the Philadelphians. Let's all stand for the Word of God. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him, who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Yet, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, you know, the Jewish community, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them to come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge what? That I have loved you. Since you have kept my commandment, to endure to the end patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial, which is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I am coming soon. Hold on. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let him hear to what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. May God bless his word. You may be seated.
So here's what I want to do. There are two big commendations, two big way to go, way to go, Jesus says to the people twice. And then he gives them a challenge. And then finally, I'm going to conclude with a so what? Um, what do I do now? Two commendations, a challenge, and what do we do now? First commendation is this one. I know your deeds. Yeah. I know your deeds. Um, you have little strength, yet you've kept my word. And you've obeyed my command to endure patiently. First thing I think of here is Jesus knows them. He knows what they're doing. He knows what's going on in their lives. He knows every challenge. He knows every worry. He knows every fear. He knows every physical pain. He knows them. And he says to them, yet, yet, you have kept my word. So when I think of this, I think of, by extension, he knows you. He knows, he knows what's going on in your life right now. You're sitting there. And you've got your aches, you've got your pains, you're worried about your body, you're worried about your family, you're worried about, I don't know, you may not be worried, but you're facing things. Uh, ever, uh, we all have different challenges in our lives, and he knows. And he knows. And he also knows all of you who um, persevere through it and keep his word. Um, and so what I did as I was preparing this message, I began writing down names of so many of you whom I know and whose lives I know and have known for a long time. And I was going to name those names, but I don't want to do it because I'm afraid of leaving somebody out. People who have just persevered in the Word. You've done it imperfectly. You've, uh, you've felt like a failure at times. You've felt like God has probably abandoned you, but yet you keep at it. You keep showing up at church. You keep showing up at your groups. You keep reading the Bible. You keep doing it. And I just want to say to you what Jesus is saying to the Philadelphians. Uh, way to go. Way to go. Way to go. This is God's commendation of the Philadelphians and his commendation of you. Uh, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul has this great line. Nobody else seems to hear it like I do it, I, like I hear it. But he, he says, God is holding on to you. You might... You might feel like you're falling, but God's holding on to you. And, Jesus, and Paul writes it. He says, take hold of him who's already taken hold of you. He's, he's hanging on to you. He's never going to let you go. His, his love endures forever. Um, he's got you. And, and the, best, the best that can happen in your life can't not happen. I love that double, it's a double negative, I don't care, so what? I love putting it that way because it's the, the best that can happen for you can't not happen as you 
Keep on taking hold, taking hold of him who has already taken hold of you. First commendation. Second commendation is this. I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God and I will keep you from the hour of trial. I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, Philadelphia had earthquakes. They had a really big one in 17 AD. They had another really big one in 36 or 37. So they had earthquakes. Now, I've never been through a horrible earthquake. Have any of you? I remember, was it awful? Yeah, I remember, I remember uh, here in this church, I was sitting here 10, 12 years ago, and I heard a big boom. And that was a tremor of an earthquake somewhere else. I don't know if any of you remember that. But that was frightening. And uh, these earthquakes in, in Philadelphia and elsewhere, where you know about the earthquake in Antioch, in, in eastern Turkey recently, that was the town, that was the city where Christians were first called Christians in the Bible. And 40% of the city is like in rubble, I think. And so earthquakes destroy everything. And so in Philadelphia, like everything was flattened and they needed a grant from the emperor to rebuild it. And, and now Jesus is saying to them, I'm going to make, see pillars and temples, you know what happens to them in an earthquake? They crumble. And we are living in a world that is not stable and isn't secure. An earthquake, a tornado, um, an asteroid could hit. All of our things are, are th that we rely on are temporal. And uh, Jesus says to them, I'm going to make you a pillar in the temple of God. And by that time, they all knew that the temple was not a building. They all knew that the temple was the people who are filled with the Holy Spirit from Pentecost. That's the temple. And, uh, and you, know, you, you know this thing. Here's the church, here's the steeple inside or the people, something like that. They knew that basic thing. And so Jesus says, I'm going to make you a temple, a, 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 a pillar, a solid entity in the unending, enduring kingdom of God that can never, ever be shaken. As you keep on keeping on living uh, for God and Christ and to your best ability, living out the purpose for which you've been created, which is to usher in the kingdom of God wherever you happen to be in your life each day. And then he says, I will keep you from the trial that is coming to test the world. Now, every one of you has or will face a trial. This doesn't mean that you will be kept from all trials. 
Some people think that means the great tribulation that will precede the return of Christ. I don't know how all that works. I don't know about end times. I've studied it and haven't figured it out. Somebody once brilliantly said, I'm on the, plan I'm on the, I'm on the welcoming committee, not the planning committee. That's the committee I'm staying on, the welcoming one. But the deal is that, yes, there are trials that come but uh, I'm going to protect you through it in one way, shape, or form. That's the second commendation, and now there's a challenge. And it is this. Go ahead to the next slide. The words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David, the key of David, that comes from Isaiah, that's, that's, that's the key that opens up the kingdom of God. And what he opens, nobody can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. And I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. That means to the Philadelphians, no matter how difficult their lives are, there is an open door through which they can walk to be uh, living for God and serving him. There's an open door, and by extension, I think, my understanding is that this is true of you and me too. Wherever you are in your life, right now, it might be joyful, it might be painful, but there are open doors through which Jesus wants you to walk. He's opened the door. It might be an action that you know, you, you just know you've been feeling it for so long that you need to take. It's been there for so long, and it's been gnawing at you, and you've ignored it, and, but he's opened the door. He wants you to walk through that door. Or maybe there's, there are actions that you've been taking you shouldn't be at taking, and, some, and, and, and he might open a door uh, to escape from those actions. Walk through it. Walk through it. Maybe there's a forgiveness unoffered. Maybe there's something in you that just got something against somebody and you can't let it go, and Jesus opens that door. Walk through it. Don't live your lives and end them with unwalked through doors. But then there's a bigger uh, door that's there every day for you and for me. In the Lord of the Rings, I love that scene, and I probably get it all wrong, but I remember when Frodo was in his little hobbit house, living his little hobbit life, and along comes Gandalf, and he says, come on, I want you to go out the door, because out the door, there's a big adventure for you, but you got to go out the door, and, and I, we've opened the door for you, and he goes, and then, and then uh, at another point, um, Gandalf says to Frodo, he says, bye-bye, I'll see you later. However, Frodo, as you go out your door, uh, you will encounter me at the most uh, surprising times. Every morning we wake up, we uh, have an open door. The key of David opens up the kingdom. And you and I, when we wake up and go into the day, we go into a day that is, uh, this is the day the Lord has made. And we go into a day that may look to you like same old, same old. I get up, 
scrub my teeth, eat breakfast, get in the car, go to work, come home, eat dinner, um, maybe watch TV, go to bed, next day just do it all over again. It's all the same. But the reality is, is there's more going on than you can see. That's what the book of Revelation is. So when you go out the door, you who have been saved, who've been rescued, who have a secure future, whom God knows and loves, he's got the purpose for you. He knows that the joy of your life is in the purpose that you live. And he says, go out into your day, alert to what God wants to do with you this day. That's the open door. So, let me put it this way. Let me say this. I have a homework assignment for you. How many of you like homework? That's what I thought. Here's the homework assignment anyway. It's to read, get up five minutes earlier. Five lousy minutes. Five. Just five. Here's all I want you to do for the next five or six days. The next five days for those of you who I don't, but six days for those of you who are serious. And read Colossians chapter 3. First thing in the morning this week. Just wake up and read it. It says set your mind, uh, set, set your mind, and it gives you a whole list of things to help you be alert to what God wants for you this day. So just read it. That's it. Now, for those of you who are thinking, who are sort of rebelling and saying, I'm not doing that, here's what I say to you. The next slide. Wait a minute, not that one. But there's got to be a check mark there, Elmer. Oh, there it is. All right, so what, this is what I say to you. What, what is that? Just do it. Exactly. All right, so let me uh, close this way. I've been watching the NBA. I like the NBA. Um, Celtics won last night. Unbelievable. I didn't see it. I did watch the recap. And, and in basketball, basketball players always talk about finishing. Finishing. You know, you go in and you shoot, shoot a layup, you got to finish it. And uh, everybody finishes in a different way. And I'm told from scholars that a lot of Christian leaders and Christians don't finish all that well. One of my great pictures for me of finishing, you know, like finishing your day, like going through that door, finish. And uh, I watched the movie Wilberforce. William Wilberforce was the man who eliminated slavery in England, and it took him like 20 years. And he finally got the decree to stop slavery, and it took another 25 years, just three days before he died, the slaves were emancipated. Great story. But in the movie, there was a scene where there's an old man disheveled um, with dementia and mopping the floor of the church. And somebody said to him, you know, you're John Newton, the one who uh, wrote Amazing Grace, the one who had been a slave trader, the one who uh, 
had repented and then became a pastor and wrote Amazing Grace. And John Newton, the man said to John Newton, you wrote Amazing Grace. And John Newton said, I did? Did I do that? And he kept mopping the floor. That's, that's the greatest picture for me of finishing well. He didn't even remember what he did, but he was in the church doing what he was called to do right up to the end. And that's my picture of Christian heroism. So for each of us to be able to finish well like that, we need to finish well each day and approach it each day. So I encourage you to do your homework. Praise team can come on up here. Uh, it's only five days. In fact, I'd love it if some of you would simply say to me um, next week or the next week, whenever you see me, I did it. I did it. I did it. Okay, God bless you. Let's, let's worship God. We invite you guys to stand for this last song. Um, we've done this one before uh, in recognition of Pentecost Sunday. This, um, this moment to realize that we are capable of these things because God has given us his spirit that enables us to do things that typically we would not be very prone to do or able to do. And so the song is just an invitation. I'm something we should also kind of couple with that reading Colossians to just invite the spirit, hey, God, just rest upon me today. Rest on us and enable us to do these things well. And so um, as we sing that, let's just uh, make that our prayer that kind of reverberates through the week here. So let's sing it together. Over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. As the Spirit was moving over the water, Spirit, come move over us. Come rest on us. Come rest on us. Won't you come down, Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me come down. Spirit, when you move, you make my heart pound. When you feel the room, you're here and I know you are moving. I'm here and I know you will feel me. Say heaven on it, come rest on us.
incredible love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be upon each of you, both now and forevermore. Amen. God bless everybody. Have a great weekend. You're here and I know you are moving I'm here and I know you